0: Hey, and welcome to The Furnace Podcast. To know us, we are a YWAM community based by the sea in the beautiful city of Tauranga, New Zealand, where our vision is to equip you for a sustained life of intimacy with God, leading to an eternal impact in the world around you. Hey guys, um, so good to be in the studio again. I'm joined today by a good friend, Christy Walsh who um, I'll get her to introduce herself in a moment, but um, Christy is an incredible instrumental um, leader in our community at uh, YWAM Furnace, and she helps uh, lead the Furnace Prayer Room, has been involved in so much um, in this, this community. Christy, um, so good to have you here.
1: Thank you, it's so good to be here, such an honor um, and a privilege, so thanks for having me in.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Um, before we jump in, uh, could you just kind of tell us a little bit about your journey uh, how you met Jesus and how you've come to be involved in Tauranga and the House of Prayer um, and, yeah, just some some of your story. Sure.
1: Um, you can probably tell from my accent. I'm not Kiwi. Um, born and raised in the States and uh, from, in a Christian family, so I've kind of known Jesus um, from my childhood. Um, but Jesus and I really became friends when my mom actually passed away when I was nine. She had cancer. And... Um, and that's when Jesus and I really um, developed our own relationship that wasn't just my parents' relationship. It was, it was mine with him. And um, so that's really how, how I got to know the Lord um, and then uh, carried on, you know, throughout childhood, junior high, high school. So when I left high school, I, um, I really felt um, that maybe full-time ministry was in my future. I didn't know exactly. Um, I actually wanted to be a nurse my whole life until I got to biology and chemistry. And then I discovered that I hated science and nursing probably wasn't in my future. So um, at that point, I was like, well, Lord, what do we have? And I really felt this draw or this desire um, to look into full-time ministry. And so long story short, I ended up um, actually moving to Kansas City to go to a Bible school that was based out of Mike Bickle's church in Kansas City, um, and I heard about something starting around the same time called that House of Prayer, or IHOP, the International House of Prayer, and I heard about it, and not I was the house like, of pancakes. not the House of Pancakes, no, House of Prayer, although they did have a House of Pancakes around the corner, so it's kind of funny, but um, but this is the House of Prayer. So I moved to Kansas City to go to Bible school, heard about this prayer room thing starting, and I thought that's really cool, but um, I'm sure I'll enjoy it there, kind of didn't know a whole lot about it. And so, moved to Kansas City. Fell in love with the city. Um, really enjoyed my time there. Started Bible school and enjoyed that. And but then I would go to the prayer room um, after you know work before school, do some homework there. And the more I went to the prayer room, the more I loved it. And um, and this was so the house of prayer started in May of '99. I moved in August of '99. So, um, but it wasn't. It didn't go twenty four seven until September of nineteen ninety nine. So I remember when IHOP was closed on the weekends and closed in the afternoons and um, those early days, they were so beautiful. So um, so anyways, the more I sat in the prayer room and heard about it and began to understand um, what the Lord was doing on the earth, raising up a prayer movement and a worship movement, um, it was like the most beautiful season of discovery because I went, this is why God made me the way he did and this is why... I have the things in my heart, the desires that are there, and I always felt like a square peg in a round hole everywhere else, and it was this beautiful feeling of like, this is where I fit, and this is where I belong, and this is why God made me the way he did, and the Lord is raising up a prayer movement on the earth in this hour, and it's not only something like that's kind of nice to do on the side. Like The Lord is intentionally calling forth singers and intercessors and worship leaders, and And he needs a a prayer movement. He needs this ministry of prayer and worship before him on the earth in this hour. And it's for a reason. And it's not just like, like something cool we get to do. It's like the Lord is doing this intentionally and he's calling forth his people. And I was ruined at that point for anything less. Just ruined. The rest of my life, I was like, this is what I'm called to do. So at the tender age of 19... I knew what the rest of my life was about, which I kind of thought was normal. And now I work with young people and I'm like, wow, that's really not normal. That's really strange. So anyways, that's how I ended up in the prayer movement. Um, I call it a kind of a big divine accident that I quote unquote stumbled into um, in the most beautiful way. And those were incredible years in Kansas City, um, really pioneering the house of prayer with Mike Bickle and with his team and Um, several others of us, maybe about a hundred or so of us first year or so, you know, steadily growing, but they were beautiful, beautiful years. And I'm so grateful um, for that opportunity that the Lord allowed me to be part of that. It was such a gift. And so um, that's where I met my husband, my husband, Aaron, who's a Kiwi. And um, we actually met in the prayer room literally um, great place to meet your spouse. Um, didn't know at the time he was going to be my future spouse. Um, but long story short, fell in love, got married, uh, lived there for a while. A daughter was born there in Kansas City, and um, and then the time came. This is a long story. It's a great story, maybe for another day, of how the Lord called us back to New Zealand. It was pretty dramatic.
0: We'll have to hear um, it because it's it's honestly it's such an incredible picture of what God is doing in the earth.
1: Yeah. And it was such a wild way. Um, The the very short version is I was very against the idea. And the Lord showed up um, very dramatically. Not because I'm so special and we needed some big dramatic sign, but I always say it's because I was so weak. I really needed to know that this was the Lord who was calling us. And he did. He made it so, so clear that we were supposed to move here to New Zealand um, to start a house of prayer um, here in Todonga, where we live, still live now. So... um, yeah, so we moved back here in 2006 and started a house of prayer here in, in the city and um, still here.
0: Wow, and how long yeah. has that been since that time? Um,
1: 2006,
0: 2023. 20, 23 minus <laughs>
1: six, what is that, 17? I don't know, 17, a long time, <laughs> I think it's 17. <laughs> yes, wow. I think that's what my math tells me. Yeah, so it's been a while, but, um, but we're that. still here and um, still in the prayer room and contending for the Lord to raise something up in this nation, um, in the place of prayer and worship. And then here, seeing it come together with the missions movement has been a real key part of the journey here in New Zealand, is not only the prayer and worship movement, but the the missions movement and running alongside and running together, because it's really inseparable. Prayer, worship, missions, you can't really separate them.
0: I love that. Yeah. Often, I think there's this thought in um, a lot of people's minds that, like, Ah, oh, you're the prayer people, so you're on mm. that side, and you're the missions yeah. people, so you're on that side. It's like actually, and we've we've kind of separated, compartmentalized both yeah. prayer missions, but actually, both together. Yeah. Um, and if you're you're doing it right, prayer should fuel missions. Yes. It's like the Moravian movement started yes. out of a hundred-year prayer meeting that just kind of carried on. Yeah. And they were some of the most radical missionaries in a day where missionaries weren't going out because they totally. got a burden for the nations. and totally. so I just want to say thank you so much, Christy, as a, as a Kiwi, um, mm. for just your faithfulness and mm. just stewarding the House of Prayer here in New Zealand, what you brought yeah. to this nation. And um, so much of it has been done in secrecy and in mm. obscurity where no one's uh, seen <laughs> some of the challenges, <laughs> the ups true. and downs that yeah. you've been through, but you've been faithful. Mm. And we're just so blessed to, to have thank you, you. Um, part of this community, part of, yeah what, what God is doing in the earth moment. Thank you. And I remind us again, how long has that been running 24 seven now? Sorry, I'm throwing no, all the numbers okay. at you. And I, I, I know I have years? to do math
1: in my mind. <laughs> it would be 24 years because it started in September of night. Well, it started in May of 99, went 24 seven in September of 99. So I think that's coming up on 24 years. Yeah. Twenty-four years, 24 of years round of of the
0: clock, nonstop, non-stop worship, worship and prayer. and
1: prayer day and night.
0: I love that. Without
1: ceasing. No, it's actually is really stunning. That's a long time. Yeah. A really long time. And I remember back in those early days at IHOP, Mike would say, just wait. This thing is gonna fill the earth. Not like just like what IHOP was doing, but like the, the prayer movement that the Lord's raising up. And you know, we're young, 19, 20-year-old kids, you know, and we're like, Really, like what we're doing is gonna fill the earth and like people are gonna like do it everywhere? And Mike's like, yep, just watch. This is what the Lord is raising up. Wow. And we were like, we believe you because we don't think you'll lie to us, but, but okay, if you're sure, that seems a bit far-fetched. And now you look at like across the earth yeah. 24 years later and the number of prayer rooms and expressions of prayer, prayer, maybe I should not even say prayer rooms, but prayer communities, yeah. communities that are, are centered and focused around prayer and worship and exalting Jesus. Like it's everywhere on the earth. Yeah. Like you'd be hard pressed to find a city, you know, that doesn't have some sort of expression of prayer and worship, you know, that's going amazing. on. So.
0: So you're seeing it. We're seeing the prophetic fulfillment of uh, yeah what's that Isaiah scripture my house will be yeah, a house, house of, of prayer, prayer which for we all nations Jesus uttered that in the temple you know yes it's um it's pretty incredible it's pretty wild I know for it's myself wild. I I was astounded to hear how many prayer rooms have, have there been established around the earth since like oh. since 1999
1: I have no idea the number I think but somewhere it's... upwards
0: of like 20,000 is oh, it? it would Probably have to be something like that I have that. no
1: idea there's yeah. a whole lot
0: oh that's wild yeah
1: it's, it's really wild. So, so cool. Yeah.
0: Well, we could go on and on on this topic. <laughs> <could>. in, in <laughs> Maybe itself, someday we should. <laughs> I think we should, and I think yeah, we will. So I tune so in too. for the next, <laughs> yeah, <let's laughs> the next see what time. Happens. We're going to we're gonna go through that at some stage. At some stage, yeah. Um, today, though, we are kind of hitting on a topic that I think is, is largely neglected. I don't want to say mm. neglected in, in the full sense, but often it's something that we, an aspect of God, of who he mm. is, that we don't hear a lot of in mainstream Christianity, mm. in the West at least. Yeah. Um, but I think it's now, even in the last 10 years that I've been a, a believer, I've, yeah. I've, I've seen a lot more of the language of, of, of this aspect of who, who Jesus is. Yeah. Um, and that aspect is um, Jesus as the bridegroom. Yeah. And um, so Christy, just to start us off, how did you come to uh, see Jesus this way as a bridegroom? Um, and what impact did this kind of have on your walk? I know we're going to be going into this deeper in, and yeah. in further episodes, but just briefly, how did when at what point in your faith did you see Jesus yeah. as a bridegroom? what How did that change cool. the trajectory of your walk with him?
1: Yeah, this has turned into like story time with Christy Walsh today. That's great. Um, <laughs> so um, when I was in high school, um, one of the other great privileges of my life, which I am just so thankful to Jesus, um, I ended up going to a church who was pastored by a na- man named Brian Simmons. And that name might be familiar, he's um, the man who does a passion translation. Um, and so I was part of his church when I was a teenager, he pastored a church you know, in Connecticut. Wow. And, um, and of course at that time, no one really knew who Brian Simmons was at all, um, but he was a man of God with a heart who was burning and alive in love for Jesus. And so, anyways, I found myself at his church, um, and I listened one summer to—I'm um, dating myself here—but it was a cassette tape series. Um, it was back in the day, and uh, one summer, the teensies—they
0: were like a what? A what? What's a cassette
1: <laughs> tape, and what's a Walkman? What? How does that work? What do you do with that? So I remember lying on my bed one summer. I was really bored. Um, Long Summer Holiday in America, and I was listening to this um, series that Brian spoke on the Song of Solomon on the book. And we'll talk a lot more about the Song of Solomon um, in future episodes. But I was listening to the series and then began reading um, a book by Mike Bickle, um, kind of around the same time that my friend from school gave to me. She said, Christy, you got to read this book. Like This will change your life. And um, and the book and the, the teaching series from Brian, it was all about this God who enjoys us and who delights in us, even in our weakness. And it was about the way that we grow in love for Jesus is by discovering how much Jesus loves us. And this concept that, that, that he is a bridegroom, that's who he is, with, with affection in his heart for his people. And, um, and I grew, like I said earlier, I grew up in the church my whole life. Um, but no one had ever told me that, that God liked me. Wow. You know, he's he loves us because he's God, and that's what God does, and he loves everyone, and that's just God is love, so he has to love us just because he has to because he's God, you know. Um, but no one had ever really told me that he liked me and that he enjoyed me. Wow. And not only that, but they showed me where it was in the Bible. Because, you know, if someone tells you that, that's great, but until I find it in the Scripture and in the Word of God, I'm kind of like, well, that's a nice theory. But yeah. then, like, it's in the Bible. Yeah. And not only like one or two places, it's everywhere in the Bible. And, and slowly my heart just began to be open to this idea that, that he enjoys me, like he delights in me. He's a bridegroom with affection in his heart, not in a sensual way at all, or, or a perverted, distorted way, but in the, the sense of he is a God who cares deeply and has affection in his heart for his people. And that just undid me. Um, totally um, turned my relationship with Jesus around, 180 degrees. Not that it was bad before, but I think before I was always, you know, like you stumble and you do something wrong and then you kind of put yourself on probation spiritually, you know, for a couple weeks so you can like try to prove to God that you're so, you know, you love him and you're gonna, you know, tick the boxes and cross the T's and dot the I's and and then if I do that perfectly for two weeks, maybe I can earn his love back again, yeah. you know, which is really a distorted way of looking at it. Um, yeah, but I discovered that he liked me. And so and when I when that landed in my heart, not just a concept in my mind, that just changed everything. Because I went, if this is the kind of God that you are, then I'm in for the rest of my life. If you care about me that much, and if that's what you feel about me, you know, where else would I want to go? And what else is going to really satisfy? I'm in.
0: That's awesome. I love that. That's incredible. So you went from working for God's love to working from a place of deeply knowing that you are loved and enjoyed by God. I think that's such an amazing revelation um, to have that God actually enjoys you. Yeah. Yeah. It
1: changes everything.
0: Absolutely.
1: Because he's no longer the you know, the mean principal in the office that you get sent to when you do something wrong to have a finger wagged in your face yeah. and get the detention. Cause you know, like he turns into your friend and he turns into the loving father and, and the God, like you said, who enjoys it, it changes everything. You stop trying to get into a room that you've discovered you're already into. Wow. And when you stop trying to get into that room that you're already in, like striving ceases, you yeah. know, you go, He enjoys me. And it frees you, really, Mm -hmm. to discover who he is, but also who you are before him. Mm -hmm. It just changes
0: everything. I love that. Yeah. That's so powerful. So you mentioned um, uh, that that there are places in Scripture where this began to be made known to you. I know that some might be wondering, is this a biblical concept? Yeah. Um, Because there is some. sometimes there's a little bit of weird language around this concept of Jesus as a bridegroom. Like we talk about him like, Jesus is my boyfriend. That's not what we're talking here at all. Please, no. Can we... (laughs) Can you just kind of talk into that? Yes, I you talk talked into that. Into that yes. Um, whether you want yes. to do that now, but no,
1: I can, yeah. yeah, totally that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, so this is not a weird like Jesus is my boyfriend, um, a weird thing. Um, and this is what I love about even the language of the bridegroom specifically, because it is found in the word. And when we speak, and I'll get into that in a minute, but when we speak about Jesus as a bridegroom, um, the way I really think of it is is the place, the, and us as his bride, therefore, it's the place of affection and honor that we have, that he carries in his heart for us. Mm. No, He he carries affection, he carries honor. So this this isn't even, for the guys listening, this isn't like, we're we're all the bride of Christ, so you have to get in touch with your feminine side. Please don't, like, this is about you are cherished and you are loved and you are honored. And the way that a, a bridegroom feels affection and feels honor and respect and love for his bride, that's how the Lord feels about us. Wow. And, and the knowledge, uh, sorry, the language of the bridegroom is found in scripture. And I love it because Jesus even referred to himself as a bridegroom using that language. Um, in Matthew 9, 15, Jesus said to them, um, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. So Jesus is talking to his disciples um, and he's saying, hey, I'm the bridegroom. And when I'm taken away from you, you're going to fast. But I'm here with you now because the question, you know, that uh, the disciples brought to him is, you know, John the Baptist, you know, taught us to fast all the time. And Jesus, you're not teaching your disciples to fast. Like, what's going on? And he goes, hey, I'm the bridegroom. When the bridegroom's with you, there's rejoicing and there's feasting and there's joy. And we're not fasting. You know, this is a time of joy and celebration because we're together. Pretty soon, he goes, I'm gonna be taken away from you. And they didn't have a clue what he was talking about at the time. He goes, then you're gonna fast. So point is, Jesus refers to himself as a bridegroom. Mm. Uh, That's his own language from his own lips. Um, And then John the Baptist also referred to Jesus as the bridegroom in John 3.29. And so I love that this is even like New Testament language from Jesus' own mouth, from John the Baptist, um, using that phrase. Um, And I've always feel really safe talking about this when we use biblical language. I think it gets really weird when we get extra biblical in our language. Um, but then also if you look at the, the whole scripture from Genesis to Revelation, really, you begin to see this thread woven through all of the scripture um, about the, the God of affection who's pursuing his people relentlessly and who will not stop. And so, I mean, you have the Garden of Eden. I love it. I think Josh even uh, was saying on a, a previous podcast they you know that, that human history starts with a wedding in a garden you know and and really that's what we have. We have the the heart of God longing and desiring to share his uh, his love with someone and so he creates because of love wow. and he creates Adam and then you know all the animals of course first and, and then Adam last and then um, he looks at Adam and he goes, It isn't good that man should be alone. And everything else in creation he called good, but he goes, man shouldn't be alone. And I sometimes wonder if in the heart of God, God looked at his son and he goes, it's not good for my son to be alone. I'm going to create for him a counterpart. I'm going to create a bride. I'm going to create a companion. And so he created Adam. And so he says the same thing to Adam. It's not good that man should be alone. And so he puts Adam to sleep. I mean, if you've read Genesis, you know the story that he puts Adam to sleep and from his side, he pierces Adam's side and he takes the rib out of his side and he forms Eve. And, and I wonder if the Trinity was looking ahead, you know, what, a couple thousand years to the day when the second Adam would hang on the cross and his side would be pierced and and his hands would be pierced in his side and out of his side would come forth his bride. Because on the cross is where where and how he yeah. he brought us back and he purchased us with his very own blood. And so anyways, we see these, these types and these yeah. shadows, even from the very beginning of the story in Genesis.
0: Isn't that amazing? Like it just adds so much to the depth of the gospel. Yes. But it's not just about, you know, it says God so loved the world. It doesn't yeah. say... God was so mad and fed up with the yes. world and so frustrated that their sin that he finally relented and sent Jesus. It's yeah. like, no, God's so loved, loved and was passionately pursuing yeah. you and me and yeah. and that, you know, the, the the person who's completely lost on the other side of the world yeah. who doesn't know Jesus right now. Yeah. I just think that adds so many layers to this message. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. Carry on. Yeah, so, awesome. um,
1: so Genesis, we see it there. We see types and shadows of the bride uh, you know, through Rebecca, through Ruth, um, Esther, all these, all these little hints. You know, um, what is it called? Foreshadowing. You know, if you're an author and you're writing a, a, a epic novel, you know, a, a wise author will will um, sprinkle foreshadowing as the story is being created and the plot is being formed. And and the, so there's there's foreshadow sprinklings. You know, throughout the Old Testament. And then we get to the prophets, we get to Isaiah and Jeremiah um, and Hosea, and they begin to use these language the, the language of a bridegroom, um, rejoicing over his bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And so we begin to see this language, again, the, the biblical language of the bridegroom, rejoicing over his bride. Um, like we didn't make this up, it's in the word, you know, and, and Hosea too, I will allure her and I will bring her into the wilderness and and I will speak tenderly to her there and And then we get into Psalms, and you read Psalm 45, and it's all about the bridegroom, the king, and the judge, all in one, rolled into one chapter. Psalm 45 is a beautiful chapter. And then, you know, we've talked about the whole book of Song of Solomon, and we'll get to that in another episode, but that's just an incredible book, the story um, of the love of the bride and the bridegroom. And then, but lest you say, oh, that's just an Old Testament thing. Well, then we get into the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul, you know, in Ephesians 5, it's that famous verse that, you know, they read at weddings all the time. You know, a man shall leave his father and mother and, and cling to his wife and, you know, the, become one flesh, da-da-da. And then Paul says, but I'm not even talking about that marriage relationship on the earth. I'm talking about Jesus and the church. Yeah. So even Paul goes, this picture of marriage is, is but a picture that we can see the real deal is Jesus and his church. And, and then we get into the Revelation, Revelation 19, and that's a whole nother episode right there. That's such a beautiful chapter. But it's, you know, again, we see the bridegroom, the king and the judge and the wedding. Um, and so really you can just see the tapestry and the thread woven all throughout scripture, literally from Genesis to Revelation. And it's beautiful.
0: It's incredible. And yeah. even as you said, it began in, in the wedding, I don't know if Josh mentioned it, it finishes in a wedding. It as does, well, as well, it's like the the beginning, the the opening, and the, yes, closing, and the closing scene of this narrative, because um, it is the Bible is not just a, a bunch of random stories; it's one continual it story is. narrative. They call it the meta narrative if you go into theological language, but it's this picture of this God who is a a bridegroom yeah. and a father and all those things, yes. but he's he's particularly a bridegroom who's pursuing, radically pursuing yes. his bride. And I think is it Hosea the prophet. Um, his story that really details yes. the, the the pursuit of, yes. of the bridegroom oh, after yes. a, a um, promiscuous bride, which yes. was Israel. Israel. Uh, and is at many times, I mean, we can see the picture of the church becoming that as well at times where where, where God's people walk off that path and God is so jealous for that love. Um, so I just love that. Thank you so much for clarifying. Um, and I hope that's been clarifying for those who are wondering, is this biblical language? Yeah. Um and I'm, I I know we're going to get into it in further episodes ahead but really how does this view of seeing God as a bridegroom how does that affect our day-to-day approaching God how do we, how how when we see him as bridegroom i know you mentioned a little bit of your story yeah how does that affect not only how we approach God but what we do for God
1: yeah i think that Josh even mentioned this as well in a previous episode but i'm going to say it again cuz it's really worth repeating that lovers always outwork workers And you will do for love what you would never do for servanthood. And so... Say that again. Yeah, what you do for for love, and you go so far for love in a way that you wouldn't do if you were just a servant. You know, if you're just a servant, you have your 9 to 5, clock in, clock out. Your day is done. I'm going home. But love, love will go to the end. Love will do anything. You'll do anything for the sake of love. And so... So knowing Jesus as the bridegroom, there's no, there's no cost that's too high that you won't pay because you love him. Uh, and not just you love him, but you know that he loves you. It's a mutual love that exists. Um, but the other thing that I also really, really um, am mindful of and aware of is that when we love him... So deeply, it guards our hearts from offense and they're from personal offense and our own personal lives and trials that we go through and and, um, and yeah, trials and scenarios that we are walking through that that would be really sometimes easy to be given over uh, to offense because of, but um I know there' have been a few in my life um, but But I always go, but I love him. Um, And we can, you know, dig into that. It's a big topic, we can dig into that more later. Um, But even like, even on a corporate level, like, I mean, the hour that we live in in history is, is urgent and it's getting more intense. And all you have to do is look at the news. Like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the hour is, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on on planet Earth right now, yeah. and and Jesus' return is drawing closer. Things are getting pretty gnarly, um, and and but when we when we are confident that Jesus loves us and has affection in His heart for us, um, it helps us to be able to rightly interpret the things that He's doing because He wants to remove what hinders love, and we begin to see a perspective of His kindness to remove what's hindering love, even if it hurts a little bit, but it's for the sake of love. He's not being mean and bringing judgment and bringing suffering just to make life hard for us. No, that's not his intention at all. He goes, I want to take away what hinders love so that love can win and so that love can prevail. And so when we have that perspective of Jesus as a bridegroom, um, it really guards our heart in the day of, of difficulty, in the day of suffering, the day of trial.
0: That's incredible. So by seeing him in this light, that that actually it's it's because he really enjoys me. Yeah, he sees the bigger picture.
1: He sees a bigger picture.
0: He understands that even though what we go through, even though personally, corporately, he he can see beyond the situation when sometimes all we see is the here and now. Yeah, he's looking big picture, like you say. Yeah, he's trying to remove what hinders love. Yeah, um, and that's his ultimate goal for us. It's not always comfort. Yeah, uh, and that's very counter to a lot of the teaching that we hear nowadays. But he's he's always looking at the eternal picture, isn't he? he? Is. How do I bring them to a place of the the, the deepest level of of heart expression yes. of love? That you know that first commandment, love yeah. s- with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah, that's his focus. Yeah, that's his goal. So for you listening, um, unfortunately, we have to wrap things up in this episode. But um, for you listening, just know that it is out of his heart for love. Maybe you're going through stuff right now that you, you're questioning, where are you in this, this process, God, that I'm going through, this pain that I'm experiencing globally, the pain mm-hmm. that the earth is experiencing right now, seeing beyond that actually God is writing a bigger story. Sometimes we do, it's a little bit foggy, mm-hmm. and I'm not discounting the pain that it's real. Um, but I hope that this has brought some kind of light to, to some of what you're going through, um, those listening. I just wonder, Christy, as we wrap things up, whether you could just finish in prayer um, sure. for those listening. That would yeah, be awesome. I would
1: love to. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, thank you that it's your desire to reveal Jesus to our hearts, and you are so good at that. And so Holy Spirit, for each one listening today, I'm asking that you would Reveal Jesus as the bridegroom, that you would reveal um, the, the love and the affection that he has in his heart. I'm asking that this wouldn't be just uh, something that we know in our mind, but that, that there would be real experiential encounter that we would feel in our hearts, even just a drop, one drop goes a long way, even just a drop of the love and the affection that you feel in your heart for each one of us. I'm asking for that spirit of revelation where we would know deep in our spirit what the human mind can't even comprehend. And I'm asking for each one listening today, whether at home or in their car or or, um, on the way to work or exercising, wherever wherever we are, I'm just asking the Holy Spirit that you would deposit um, into our hearts um, the knowledge of the love of God. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen.